Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Boy, that's quiet. Let's give her a hand. She did a good job. Hey, take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 5. I, I love studying the life of Jesus Christ, and, and we're going through Mark, and we're looking at Jesus as our example. He is our example. He, is, he came to, uh, to seek and to save that which is lost. We're looking at him, and, and it's amazing, the stories, as we're looking through the book of Mark, of, of Christ and how we can learn from how he responded to different situations. Last week we saw him coming uh, up to a, a place called Gennesaret. There he meets a demon-possessed man, and this man is like crazy. He's got 6,000 demons inside of him, and he, uh, he meets Jesus. Jesus casts the demons out, and now the man is right in his right mind. He's clothed in his right mind and wanting to be a servant of Jesus. Well, the people are freaked out by that, and they say to Jesus, listen, uh, you, you scare us. Would you just please leave? So he gets in a boat, and he goes back to his uh, point of reference. He goes back to his, like, uh, uh, the place where his, his home base Capernaum. He heads back to the city of Capernaum where he had left to come over to this area. When he gets back to Capernaum, he is, now Capernaum is right on the seashore, on the seashore and, and not far from the seashore there is, there is the synagogue and, uh, and then there's not far from that, there's Peter's house. In fact, they found the ruins of Peter's house and it's a fascinating place to go. So he goes back there, and as he's, it's, it's almost as though he's getting off the boat. The last time he got off the boat, a demon-possessed man comes and, and jumps on him. Now he gets off this boat, and a man named Jairus comes his way. This is a totally different type of sinner. Uh, Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. He is, uh, he is a well-respected man. He's a man, when you go into the synagogue, he's the guy that everybody's looking at, wanting to, to, to hear him speak. The Bible says this in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5. It says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. Now, he would have known Jairus. Jairus would have known him because he was there in the synagogue. Jairus might have been a skeptic before, but now his daughter is sick. And his daughter is sick, almost ready to die. And so he's like at his wit's end. He comes to where Jesus is. And the Bible says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. This is totally and completely contrary to what a ruler of the synagogue, a Pharisee, would have done before. 
He comes and falls at the feet of Jesus and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, my little daughter, she's 12 years old, we find out later, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. I've, I've heard about what you can do. I've heard about your healing power. There's nothing more desperate than a parent with a sick child. And he's coming to her and he's saying, or he's coming to Jesus saying, I don't know what else to do. I know you can heal. And he's coming to him for healing power. We don't even know if he recognizes him as the Savior, as the Son of God. We don't know what he, but we do know that he knows that Jesus has the ability to heal. It's happened there in Capernaum before. He is desperate and he says, listen, my little daughter is sick. I love the fact that in this story, in fact, we're going to read about 20 verses tonight. In this story, you're going to find a man who is, would have been considered a saint. Then you're going to come across a woman who is considered a sinner. And then you've got the Savior who is there for both of them. We've got Jesus treating them both alike. We have a man who's pleading for his 12-year-old daughter to get uh, to, to, to be healed, and then we have Jesus who approaches a woman who's been sick for 12 years and uh, a, a woman who the Word of God said she, she's unclean, she cannot be around people, and yet she comes into this crowd of people contrary to the law of God. And we have a ruler of the synagogue who was one who would be enforcing the law of God coming with Jesus, and she, she boldly comes to where Jesus is. Let's, let's read the story. And the Bible says, and, and he, he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And, Jairus, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and they thronged him. Now they're on their way to Jairus' house, which would not have been a long distance, but as they go, people are just thronging Jesus. It's like they're, they're packed around him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. She'd been sick for 12 years. That means when Jesus was 21 years old, she got sick. She'd been sick for 12 years and had suffered many things of physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard that Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Father, as we look at this story, and Father, as we continue through this story, I pray you'll help us to learn some things from Jairus, from the woman, but most of all, Father, may we learn from your Son, the Lord Jesus. And as your sons and daughters, may we emulate what we read. And Father, may we follow the example of the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, work through us. Teach us tonight. And Father, help us to remember. Father, remind us we are your children and we are to conduct ourselves the way your Son, the Lord Jesus, reacted. Father, we're to allow your power to move through us. 
and we're also to humble ourselves before you. Teach us these things this evening as we read this amazing story. Thank you for giving it to us, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's several things I want you to see from this story. Number one, first of all, I want you to see the humility of Jairus. I want you to understand that this was a dignified man. This was a man who, who, was, um, who was respected and revered in the synagogue. He is coming to Jesus. And I want you to see this. He humbles himself. He humbles himself. He comes to where Jesus is. There's nothing proud here. He cares so much about his little daughter that he humbles himself before Jesus. And he tells him what he wants. He tells Jesus, this is what I want from you. This is what I want. I I don't care about me. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care what these people think. I just want my daughter to be healed. Wow. We should learn something. We need to tell Jesus exactly what we want. We need to go before Jesus and we need to fall at his feet. And that should be something that we do on a regular basis. We call this in the Bible prayer. This is prayer. What a great example of prayer Jairus was. He was very concerned and he thought there's only one person that can take care of this. Can I tell you what? We're in a mess in America. And there's only one person that can take care of this mess. And his name is Jesus. Somebody said that the world is yearning for a dictator. And the only one that will work is Jesus Christ. He, we, we need him. And listen, here's what, if, if you care about this country, if you care about your family, if you care about your children and your grandchildren, then listen, what we need to do is go to the master and say to the master, and you, we ought to do this on a daily basis. Every day we need to pray. We need not just talk about praying. We need not just to say, I am praying for you and, 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 and mean we're just thinking about somebody. We need to vocally, out loud, pray and say, God, there's, some, there's, there's a need. I'm, I'm praying for my friend. I'm asking you to work in my friend's life. I'm asking you to work in my children's life. I'm asking you to protect my children. I'm asking you, for your name's sake, protect my children and my grandchildren. We need to be pleading with God because God hears and answers prayer. I want you to see the humility of Jairus, but I also want you to see the response of Jesus. The response of Jesus is just amazing. When we humble ourselves and when we pray, God's old, in the Old Testament, God said to the nation of Israel, if you'll humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked way, I'll hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. He said that over and over, and every time Israel repented, every time Israel turned back to God, he was there, no matter how wicked they had been. He always responded. He always was there for them. And, and now we see in the New Testament, Jesus sees a man. This man may have been, may have been a, just a proud, arrogant, I don't know. Not all the Pharisees were that way. Nicodemus was not that way. But he may have been a, a proud, arrogant, know-it-all guy. He may have even been part of the critics of Jesus. But now he's desperate. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus responds to him. Can I tell you this? That the, when Jesus, Jesus will respond. Jesus will respond. You come to him, and you ask him for things. My wife will say to me from time to time, she'll say, uh, 
She'll say, David, do you think, why do you think that happens to so-and-so? Or we'll read about something in history or we'll read about something going on in, in some Christian's life. And, and I, I say this to my wife, that I don't know. I don't know what their prayer life was like. I don't know what their living was like. I don't know about anybody else. But I know this. God promises that he'll hear and answer prayer. So I'm not here to judge anybody else or figure out what anybody else is doing or why God didn't work in anybody else's life, but I'm going to claim the promises of God when it comes to prayer. And I'm going to make sure that every single day I'm praying for my wife and every single day I'm praying for my children and every single day I'm praying for my grandchildren and every single day I'm praying for Liberty Baptist Church and every single day I'm praying. There are people in here I pray for every single day. And I'm going to do that and I'm going to repeat the same names over and over again. I was talking to the Lord one day about this. I said, Lord, I repeat the same names over and over and over to you every day, and I don't want it to be vain repetition. I don't want it to be vain repetition. I, I want you to hear them, and God, I, I just want you to know, I, 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 I want you to work in these people's lives, and even though I'm just reading their names to you, I want you to work in their lives. And then I said, Lord, I was, as I was praying that, I thought, you know, the Lord makes me read long lists of names. Uh, if you go through the Bible, there are sometimes he's saying, and, and, and this guy begat, and this guy begat this, and this guy begat that. I said, okay, Lord, you make me do it, and then I'm, that's why I'm going to do it to you. God wants us to pray for one another, and we need to pray for one another. And if you say, I'm I, I feel like I'm praying the same thing over and over again, it's okay. Because Jesus said, if you keep on asking, you keep on asking, you keep on asking, you keep on asking, God will hear and answer your prayer. Why does he wait for so long? Because he wants your faith to be demonstrated in the spiritual realm. When nobody else is around except the angels and the demons and you're crying out to God, you, in the spiritual realm, God is demonstrating your faith to a world that you cannot see. And it brings glory and honor to Him when you pray. When you pray, God's Word is is, is sure this is an illustration here today we see him humbling himself before before jesus jairus the ruler saying lord please 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 that's what we need to be doing we need not just again talk about prayer but we need to be men and women of prayer who humble ourselves and jesus will respond now i want you to see something else i want you to see in verses 25 through 34 let's read that together the Bible says a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent... Now, there, remember, Jesus, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of the universe, but here just as a rabbi, as a master, Jesus is approached by a ruler of the synagogue Again, this ruler of the synagogue would have been one who enforced the law. He would have been one who would say, hey, if somebody's out of line, he would have been saying, hey, you can't do that. You're out of line. So the Bible says this. She had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press and touched his garment. And she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I will be whole. She believed, and straightway 
The fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. She knew something nobody else knew. At this moment, she was no longer sick. The Bible says, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude. It's, it's almost as though they're questioning his mental, uh, think, his, his mind. Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So important that we're truthful with God. And he said unto her, Daughter. Oh. He looked at her and called her daughter. The only time Jesus ever uses the term daughter in the New Testament is right here. He looks at this woman who would have been despised, a woman who would have been rejected, a woman who the Bible says is unclean. The Bible says, He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the rulers of the synagogue's house certain men which said, and we'll go on into that in just a minute. I want you to see this. I want you to see the compassion and the mercy of Jesus Christ. The compassion and the mercy. We've seen the humility of Jairus. We've seen the response of Jesus. Look at the compassion that Jesus shows to anyone who would believe. He shows this compassion to anyone. This is a woman that was considered unclean. In Leviticus, and I think this verse is in your notes, in Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 19, the Bible says, and if a woman have an issue of blood, in Luke and in Matthew, this, this disease that she has is an issue of blood. If a woman have an issue and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the evening. Notice this. She was, she was one who had this issue of blood. She was considered unclean, and according to the law, she was unclean. She was not supposed to be there. She was supposed to be apart from everyone else. She wasn't supposed to do anything. Now, she didn't just have it for seven days. She had this problem for 12 years. She is 12 years unclean. She spent everything she had to get well. She believed if she touched Jesus, she would be healed. I got to, you got to see. It was absolutely illegal for her to touch him. Absolutely against the law. And the, one of the rulers of the, of the synagogue who enforced these laws was standing right there with Jesus. She sneaks up and touches the hem of his garment. Wow. Knowing what that knowing that this was violation of the law, that a ruler of the Jews was there, and that she could get in trouble for it, knowing all of that, she dared do this anyway because she believed that if she touched Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And the Bible says this she touched Jesus and was healed. Isn't that amazing? 
She believed enough to risk everything to get to where Jesus was. Man, do we believe Jesus that much? Are we willing to do whatever we need to do to get close to him? Because we real, really believe that he has the answer. She touched Jesus. I want you to see, I want you to see this, that when she did this, and again, in violation of, of Leviticus chapter 15, Jesus looked at her and had compassion and mercy. He didn't say, what in the world are you doing? What? I, don't you know what the law says? He didn't do that. Is the law good? Yes. Did he come to fulfill the law? Yes. But did he condemn her? No, he did not. Jesus did not come to condemn so easy to look at somebody's faults. It's so easy to look at what people do wrong. It's so easy to look at outward appearances and not be sensitive to the heart motive. She came to him in humility, and she comes to him. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Jesus touches him because he has compassion, and we should have compassion on people. We should be caring about people. We should emulate Christ. We should follow his example. I want you to see this next thing. I think this is so important. In verses 30 and, uh, 30 and 31, it says, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now the disciples say, Well, what are you talking about? Everybody's been touching you. But here's the deal. Jesus, I want you to see the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is, is not only God, 100%, but he is also 100% man. And when Jesus is touched, the Bible says virtue departed from him. This word virtue, it's, it means power. He, at that moment, sensed a draining of his power. Have you ever worked with people, gone out and just ministered to people, and, and as you're ministering, you're loving doing this, but when you're finished... You're exhausted. There are some people right now that are working in Awana, and they give themselves to work in Awana, and they're back there working with the kids, and they're having a great time with the kids, and in about, uh, about another 45 minutes, they're going to come out and say, wow, that was great, and they're going to be worn out. Some of them are going to look more worn out than others because why? Because they've been ministering. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, we need to understand that he was drained. Jesus looks down. He, 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 he says, who touched me? And he finds out. And, well, of course he knew. He was drained of power. He was, he, it, it, it had left his body. Uh, ministry can drain us physically. It really can. My wife and I just came back from Fremont, California. We drove all the way up there. And then uh, we, were, we spent Friday... Uh, uh, Friday all day, all day Saturday, and then Sunday we just spent ministering to people and ministering to people and ministering to people, and it was great, and it was a joy. We got in the car in the motorhome to start driving home, and we couldn't even get two hours, and we pulled over the side of the road and just dead and slept, slept for eight hours because we were exhausted. Because when you minister to people, when you're serving people, there is a physical drain. You should never... Um, you shouldn't ever condemn yourself because you feel drained in ministry. Uh, that, that just happens. Ministry can drain you physically. 
So we see the humanity of Christ, and we need to understand from Him that, look, we can get physically drained in ministry as well, and we need to accept that, and we need to thank God that, he's, that, uh, that He gives us those times of rest. I want you to see next the grace of Jesus. This is important. I want you to see that he saw her. Jesus saw her. Um, She's sneaking up uh, to touch him. Sometimes we wonder if God really hears or really is there. And when you've prayed, you might be wondering whether he's listening. Can I tell you that he's listening? He knows exactly what you're going through. She, um, she's fearful. She's broken the law. Jesus is here with a Jewish leader, as I said. This is frightening. She, has, she was banned from the synagogue. She did not dare touch Jesus. And now Jesus says, um, it was you. And what does she do? She, she, this is what she does. She tells him the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. She just lays it out. It was me. It was me. I did it. I was sick. I've been sick for 12 years. I, I, I thought if I just touched you, if I, I believed that if I just touched you, that, that I would be healed. And again, he does not, he does not con, con, condemn her. He, he calls her daughter. I think this is so endearing. I mean, as I read this, I just thought, this is so neat. He doesn't look at her in any negative way whatsoever. He's going to heal the ruler of the synagogue's daughter, but he stops to heal someone he calls his daughter. He cares about it. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're going through, whatever hurt that you're facing right now, whatever financial crisis you're facing, whatever, you need to understand, you're his son, can and he cares. He really does. Curtis, he cares about you. Nobody else may, but he cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about your feelings. He cares about you. And when you call on him, he hears it. I just love the fact that he calls her daughter. It's, it's almost as though he's pointing out to Jairus, look, your daughter's important to you. Your daughter's important to you. I want you to understand, my daughter is important to me. Jairus, when this is all over, don't be judging my daughter anymore. Care about my daughter. You've got a daughter that's 12 years old that's been sick. I've got a daughter here who's been, uh, who's been sick for the last 12 years. As long as your daughter's been alive, my daughter's been suffering. Don't condemn her in her suffering. Love her. Have compassion on her. She's my daughter. I think that God gets so upset with us when we criticize his sons and his daughters. You've got brothers and sisters that aren't acting exactly the way you think they should act. You've got brothers and sisters who are misbehaving. They're not doing it exactly the way you think. And so what we do is we criticize them or judge them. God doesn't want that. These are his sons and these are his daughters. We better remember that. We better remember that, the, that, that uh, just like we're his son or his daughter. My wife used to say that to me uh, years ago when I was a lot less sensitive as a husband. She used to say to me, she used to say, you remember this, you're talking to God's daughter. 
say, wow, that's quite a memory. Uh, that's a, quite a thing to remember. I mean, when, when you, you realize, hey, I don't want to get out of control here because this is his daughter. I'm not going to mess around with his daughter. So what he does, first he calls her daughter, and, uh, and, uh, and then he grants her peace, and he commends her. He just tells her, listen, uh, you go in peace, and uh, daughter, you, it's, everything's going to be all right. Um, uh, he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Totally and completely met her needs. Now, having that part of the story over, let's read on and see what happens. Now, remember, Jairus is, is there. He, this is all taking place, and I'm thinking that, J, that Jairus in his mind is saying, Okay, come on, get on with it. We got my daughter, she's sick. My daughter's sick. You know when you're waiting for something to happen and, and then you get interrupted like a red light? Don't you hate red lights? Uh, and why are they always red when you're on your way to someplace important? Like you're coming to church and you got to get there and boom, it's a red light. And it's one of those red lights that somebody messed with and it's there for three or four minutes. Uh, or at least it seems that way. Well, Jairus is concerned, concerned about his daughter, and he's, this guy's stopping. Jesus is stopping to take care of this woman who was defiled and, and wicked, and, and yet Jesus says, Jairus, this is my daughter. She's as important as your daughter. He takes care of that, and then the Bible says this. The Bible says, while he yet spake, there came from the rulers of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter's dead. Why trouble us thou the master any farther? There's no reason for you to, to bother him. She's dead. Can you imagine what went through Jairus' mind? You stopped to help this woman when my daughter was sick. You stopped to help. Why did you stop? You could have come back to her. You stopped. Sometimes we question what God's doing, don't we? You think, what in the world? Why didn't you take care of my problem first? The Bible says, as soon as Jesus heard the words that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. That lady you just saw, she believed. You don't need to be afraid. Why don't you believe, Jairus? And he suffered no man to follow him but Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So he said, okay, the rest of these people, they're staying here because uh, they, they're just, they're going to hinder what I'm doing. Peter, James, John, you come. And he takes Jairus and he goes. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. There were actually professing professional wailers back then. They would, whenever there was a funeral, they would come and they would wail at the funeral to show the sorrow that they had. So they're all outside and they're crying and they're weeping and they're doing their thing. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make you this ado? And weep. The damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. Wow, what a statement. What a bold statement. I want you to see, we're going to look at the confidence of Jesus. The confidence of Jesus. They said it's too late. Jesus tells Jairus, just believe. He, he brings Peter and James and John. I, I think it's so important that we need to understand 
In, uh, in James chapter 5, the Bible says, is, is any sick among you? If there's somebody that's sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's times that, that we need moral support. I don't think necessarily Jesus needed moral support, but I do believe he brought Peter, James, and John because he knew they believed. He knew they trusted. And he, and he said, we're going to go, so you're going to, go, you're going to see something because you're faithful followers. You're going to see something nobody else is going to get the opportunity to see. And he takes Peter, James, and John, and Jairus, and they go into this room alone with this little girl. People are weeping, and he said, hey, why are you weeping? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. Sometimes when you're doing what Jesus wants you to do, people will mock you. They'll laugh at you. They'll persecute you because they can't see what Jesus is about to do. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he takes those people that are laughing, those unbelievers, takes them out of the room. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. So he goes in. He does not let unbelief stop him. He just goes in and he does what God wants him to do. And then, then we see a demonstration of divine power. I, I like this picture, and I like this picture because it's hopeless. I, I, I went through a lot of pictures of, of Jesus healing J. Iris' daughter, but all of them had him lifting her up. I love the fact that this picture shows it's useless. She's dead. She's lying there. There is no hope. There's just Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad, and they have their dead child there. Jesus does very well in impossible situations. Say amen to that. It's an amazing thing what God can do for us if we simply believe and we trust him. There's this demonstration of power. The Bible says, and he took the damsel by the hand, and he said, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say to thee, arise. And what happened? The girl arose. Listen, when Jesus, when Jesus says, get up, you know what you do? You get up. It, when Jesus says, get up, what do you do? You get up. That's it. There's no choice. When Jesus says, get up, what do you do? You get up. So he says to the damsel, arise, and she has no no choice whatsoever. Jesus made her completely whole. It's important that we understand that she was completely gone, but Jesus made her completely whole. So what do we learn from this story here? This is an absolutely fascinating story. I love the fact that Jesus treated both ladies the same. 
I love the fact that he treated both, parents, both men the same, the dad of the, of the, of the, of the girl and, the, the, and Jairus. He, he treated everyone the same. There was no difference. Well, this one's a rich one. This one's a, this one's a religious one. This one's a, a sinner. This one's a rejected one. He treats them all. He has compassion for all of them. I want you to see several things. Number one, he received the humble. When we humble ourselves before him, he will receive us. That's how we get saved. We come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for me and paid for my sin. I know I deserve nothing but hell, but I know you died to pay for my sins and you were buried and rose from the dead for me. And though I can't do anything to save myself, I know you died to save me. So I'm asking you to give me eternal life and boom, we're saved. We ask him to give us what we can never do ourselves. We have to humble ourselves to get saved. We have to humble ourselves if we want to see his power work through our lives. If we want to see God move through us, we have to humble ourselves on a regular basis. He had compassion and mercy. When we believe, when we believe and we say to the Lord, hey, I believe and we're trusting him, he will have compassion and mercy. I want you to see this, that he got tired in ministry, and you will too, but that doesn't mean you should stop ministry. You just keep on doing what God wants you to do. I want you to see that he was gracious. No matter what happened, he was gracious. I want you to see this, that he had confidence in God's power. When they were all laughing at him and they were mocking him, he just went forward, kept on doing, and kept on doing, and kept on doing. I remember the story of a little boy a little boy was um, a, a preacher was driving by. He saw a little boy being beat up by two older boys. And uh, he stopped by, and uh, he stopped the boys from beating on the little boy. He said, you stop that. You let him go. And, and the guy, kid said, the, the little boy got up and shook himself. He said, it's okay, mister. I'm coming back. Well, that's, I mean, just absolute confidence. And he said he walked away, and that little boy was saying, come on. I mean, the, the, I'm not for fighting, but I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing when we have confidence in the power of God. You're not confident in your power, in your strength, but you can have absolute confidence that if you bring it to God, he will take care of you. And I want you to notice that he demonstrated the power of God. You and I are children of God. Jesus made us joint heirs of his so that everything he has belongs to us and it's not as though he wants us to wait till we get to heaven to be understand that we are his children no and to to, to, to walk in the demonstration of his power when you got saved his spirit came to live inside of you and if you come to him humbly, he will, in compassion, give you the strength to do things that you would never be able to do by yourself. God wants us to understand as his children and as we follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ that what Jesus did is what he wants you and I to do. He wants us to be uh, uh, gracious. He wants us to show confidence. He wants us to be compassionate. He wants us to receive the humble. He wants us to demonstrate the power of God where you work tomorrow. He wants those people that you work with to see the power of God in you.
He wants your neighbors to see the power of God in you. He wants your family to see the power of God in you. And as you humble yourself before him, you and I can demonstrate the power of God to a world. And we can reflect Jesus to the world. And that's what we're here to do. So let's determine to allow Jesus to work through us. And we'll see things accomplished in us that we would never think would be possible. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. I thank you for this story. I thank you that you let us know about this story. And I pray for everyone in here, myself included. God, I pray you remind us every day to humble ourselves before you, to seek your face, that we might know your power in our lives. If there's somebody here right now that's not saved, Father, I pray that they will understand that they can't know you unless they humble themselves before you. But if they humble themselves before you, they can know your power in their life as well, and they can be saved. Work in the next few moments, and I ask this in Jesus' We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.